Blog Talk Radio. Grab a great big truck. When I'm old, when I'm old. Haul the wrecks down to the wreck yard. Good evening and welcome to Peace State Pandemonium for Thursday, January 12th, 2017. And for those that were thrown off by that theme music, I played that in honor of uh, of Jerry Oates. That's called the uh, Ballad of Bull Ramos. I started to hang up. I thought I had the wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember yeah, who that's by. I've got the whole album. It's um, oh, you do, but it's in, huh? You do? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's got, uh, it's got all kind of wrestling themes on this kind of the Ballad of Bull Ramos, uh, Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> but that's just in the, in the, uh, the, on the switchboard. That's one of the things on there, and I was piddling around with it, and I saw that, and it played so. Thought that was pretty neat, but that uh, kind of tells what Bull Ramos did after he got out of the wrestling business. He ran a a junkyard in Houston, <laughs> and uh, he was a Sanford and son of his particular area of Houston, I guess. He probably did well with it too. You worked with him, didn't you, out in out in Portland? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's where I worked with him. He was a great guy from everything I understand. I never met him, met his brother. Who was but his I never brother? met him. I had, what was his name, Bobby? Only he came to Mobile once or twice. Got me. I sat and talked with him for a couple of hours at the first reunion I went to. Um Bull never came to Mobile, but his brother did. I I don't think his his brother was a little guy. He may have not have ever done anything other than referee. But uh, yeah, Bull was Bull. He he was funny. He he, he was he was all right. he good to work with too. Was he? Yeah. Never even. He I don't even know guy. that I've even seen videotape of him working. As big as he was, I hear he was so light on his feet and such easy guy to work with. He was. He he really was. I mean, he he, he could move for a guy that size. He was funny. <laughs> oh, he I was never good. I never met him, but my favorite Bull Ramos story is. Him and Terry Funk working up the deal to hit Funk with the board on TV, and they, they Elmer's glued it and made it stronger than that. it was when it was real wood, and he, he went out and hit Funk with it and knocked him out. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, they did, they did some wild stuff out there in Amarillo, I'm telling you. Oh. I mean, Lord. I never made I can't that even that. imagine. They they had some trips out there. Well, just to give you everybody an update on uh, our uh, producer and uh, partner in crime, Jay West, he he called me a couple hours ago. He has been to the doctor every day this week. He said ever since they put that cement or clay or whatever it was that they put in, in between his vertebrae, He's had swelling in his legs and feet that has gotten so bad that 
<clears throat> he can barely walk, and uh, he can't wear shoes. <laughs> so he and he says, you know, of course nobody wants to take responsibility for it. They just want to run more tests. So now they want to send him to a vascular doctor, <clears throat> put him to sleep, and shoot die through his veins, uh, leading to his heart to see if there's any kind of blockage or anything. But before he does that, his regular cardio doctor wants to see him, so he's going to his heart doctor tomorrow, and then I guess he'll have the vascular thing done sometime after that. So, But uh, he sounds a little better, but he uh, he's still in not not. 100%. So, but he said to let everybody know, you know, what was going on with him and everything and to apologize for not being on the, being able to be with us, but is he in any pain, Mike? Is it in his back? Or I mean, he sounds like he's on pain medication just in talking to him. So, yeah, yeah I would yeah. imagine. <clears throat> I, I hate that. I, I really do. I mean, you go in for one thing and you know, and any time they start messing with your back, man, it's just <clears throat> that's not a good thing. Well, I tell you, they, they, uh, there's a guy I eat breakfast with. He had some uh, degenerative, you know, vertebrae and all. They went in there and put titanium a plate in his back and blah, 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 blah. He said that's the best thing that ever happened to him. Huh. But, you know, that's like when I had my knees done. I, I checked that doctor out before I had it done, you know. I want to know if he was a Dr. Andrews or Savannah. Right. You know? So, you know, you got to do your homework. But, I, but I've but i never heard of what you just said. He had to put clay or something in there. I, I've yeah, he had, well, when he was originally going to have it done, he said they were going to put cement in there. And then, uh, but then when I was talking to him today, he said, he called it clay or something or whatever else he said. Or he said whatever the doctors called it. Might have been ceramic, yeah. I never heard of that, but I know. He really probably should have talked to me before he did that because I could have been I could have told him when in the in the in biblical days when the Egyptians who were the first people to embalm bodies <clears throat> That's what they put in the bodies was a concrete like mixture. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> maybe they've just stiffening him up. I don't know. I don't I don't know anything. I don't know. Well I hope he finds out what's going on. Yeah, me too. Me too. I hate for anybody to So should we talk yeah, about Monday say. night's should we talk about Monday night's football game any at all? Sure. <laughs> Probably the best college football game I have ever watched. It was absolutely it had a, just, had, a, had they uh had an opportunity to be, but they had the wrong ending, but other than that. Well <clears throat> I thought it was a pretty good ending, but I'm an ACC fan, but that's it was just what a tremendous ball game, back and forth, and decided with one second left on the clock. I just they couldn't they couldn't have if if it wasn't scripted, they couldn't have done it any better. Oh, I couldn't make That's it that long. I, I sit here, I watched every stinking play. I, I was miserable the next day, but it was a uh, it was very enjoyable. 
Yeah, it was the first time that they that Alabama had the ball and had to, you know, there was three and out three times in a row or four times in a row. I knew then that they, they were they were had the uh, grand opportunity to lose that game, and then <clears throat> their defense kept kept them in the game until the fourth quarter, and then they were just worn out. They were tired. Yeah, they wouldn't. But it was uh, a good game, and Clemson earned that that <clears throat> that uh, that win. So. But the good thing is Alabama's got that young quarterback for three, at least three more years. So we'll uh, yep. we'll probably yeah. Come I thought back Alabama was going to run away and hide at the beginning of that thing when when they knocked him a little goofy and he was very timid there for a while. So, but uh, it just it was a it was a good game all the way around. Yep. And when do the Falcons play again Sunday? Falcons play Saturday at four. Saturday they're playing the Seahawks, right? Play the Seahawks here in Atlanta, and Dallas plays Green Bay Sunday afternoon in uh, Dallas. So what we need to happen this weekend is Atlanta win and Dallas lose. And then they'll play the title game here in Atlanta the following Sunday. And if Atlanta's fortunate enough to win and Dallas wins, they'll go to Dallas. Well, that'd be good. If I get my hands on any Super Bowl tickets, if Atlanta goes, I may be interested in selling them, if anybody's interested. I will be interested in selling them if anybody's looking for some. <laughs> well, are you, do you have them yet? No, no. The only way I would get them is if if Atlanta goes to the Super Bowl, I've had season tickets long enough. I should, I should be in the in the uh, cut to get to uh, to go buy two of them. So, and what do you think the tariff would be? Well, I really don't know. When I went in in 1999, when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl, I went to Miami to the Super Bowl that year, and the uh, face value of the tickets that year were three twenty five a piece. So I have no idea what they'll be this year. Even you know, if I don't know what, what they're selling for now. Be? What would your guesstimate be? Somewhere around five hundred dollars a piece. That's what the face value of them would be. And when and and if it's like it was in '99, there wasn't no mailing them a check or putting it on a credit card. You had to take cash money down there one day. They gave you a receipt, and then you had to go back the next day and physically sign for your tickets. Oh, come you know? on. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, very, it's, it's a high-security thing. And I went down, I remember going to the Dome that day, and I picked the tickets up, and I turned around and started back toward the car, and there's a guy standing there next to a light pole, had a three-piece suit on, very well-dressed guy, and he said, uh, would you be interested in selling those? And I said, no, sir. I said, I have been a fan my whole life. I said, this is probably a once-in-a-lifetime shot, and I want to go. And he said, I don't blame you. I'd go, too, if I had them. And I took a couple of steps, and I stopped, and I turned around, and I asked him, I said, if I was interested in selling them, I said, what what would the offer be? He said, I will give you $1,800 a piece for them. Oh, come $3, on, $3,600. $3,600 a man was offering me for them two tickets. 
I'd have laid it on him so fast. Well, if it was if it was today, I would I would broke his arm taking the money. But <laughs> I mean, then I was legit or was gonna rob you or what? I, I don't. Well, he did. You know, like I say, I, I wasn't. There was no. I wasn't sensing any fear. I mean, I was not. He could have pulled a gun out. I don't know, but he was just. I didn't. I didn't sense anything being wrong. But uh, I, I, you know, just I was. I'd always wanted to go to a Super Bowl, so I. I went, but I made a promise to myself and to my wife that time. I said, if I ever get them again and somebody offers me some money for them, I'll ease their pains. Well, you ought to go down there and sign up and get you two. And well, if, I, if they go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy them, I think, and then try to sell them because I really don't have any desire to go to Houston and see them play. Charlie Smith went to the either the first the first Super Bowl I think he told me that they played in New Orleans at the old Sugar Bowl Stadium and I don't remember who was playing in it but I think if I remember correctly he told me he went down there and bought two tickets on the street him and Louise went and he paid ten dollars a piece to get in. That was that was the the, the uh, uh, Steelers and somebody. I don't I don't remember. But he, but he, you know, I mean, the game when the game first was was created, uh, you know, the first one with the Packers and the uh, who did they play the first year? Cowboys. Cowboy was that the first one? Yeah. They 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 didn't sell out. They played it at the Los no. Angeles Coliseum. That's correct. And then the second one was the Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't sell it out. And the tickets just kind of went up every year till they got to where they are now. But it is such a – my opinion of the Super Bowl is it's it's made for rich people. And, it, and it's, it's it's corporate. And then you, you go to the you go to the game, and the, the uh, to me I got the impression that they were more concerned with what celebrities were going to do what rather than, you know, it was like an afterthought. Oh, well, we got two teams here. We might as well play a basketball or a football yeah. game. Exactly. And uh, – the the halftime show, the halftime show of the year I was there was Stevie Wonder, Gloria Estevan, and Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. And the only good part that come out of that halftime show was I was introduced to Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, which I became a fan. I really enjoyed them. But you, when you're in the stadium and you're trying to watch the halftime show, it is so geared for TV that it and they're moving cameras and they're moving this and they're moving. It it looks like a Chinese fire drill. Sure. You have to watch the 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 big board in the stadium to make any sense out of what's going on. And this year the halftime show is Lady Gaga. Well. <laughs> I will say this about Lady Gaga. If if you got and I know I think Michael I made him a copy. If you have not heard the duet album she did with Tony Bennett, that girl yeah, can she play did, and sing. Oh, she can sing now. It is phenomenal. I just all the stuff that she does I don't get anything out of, but Well anyhow. 
Mike, did you look at that? Did you look that up today? What I talked to you about about dynamite? No, I never got a chance to. I got got in the middle of doing something, and, and <clears throat> this will make you guys feel as old as I'm feeling sitting here doing this. I am putting loading my uh, my Napster playlist of every album ever recorded by the Ventures. So far, I've got 17 hours worth. I've got like 35 albums, and I'm only into the early 70s. And I think they're still recording stuff. So I'll probably end up with about three days' worth. (laughs) I think my grandmother told me about them. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> the biggest thing I remember from the adventure, the ventures was when they did the uh, Hawaii Five O theme. The first album I ever, long, full long playing album I ever owned, was the Ventures play the Batman theme, and I, that was one of the ones I found on here. And I used to have, I probably had a half a dozen Ventures albums. You know, I always I knew the uh, the songs. You know, the hits that that they played. I only knew their versions of them before I ever knew the uh, the, the true hit version of them. And then went back and and discovered the real ones. Like I, I thought they did the original version of Pipeline instead of the Chantays. But uh, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to live in Columbus, Georgia. I used to play play my Ventures albums. Well, but anyway, what I wanted us to discuss tonight, I wanted to do a little our version of uh, before they were stars. Um, Jerry was probably one of the few guys in the business that managed to make it through his whole career and never did anything, never used any other name, never wrestled under a mask, never changed his his persona whatsoever. What do you attribute that to, Jerry? Just just the fact that you were just so good as Jerry Oates? <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> but, but, but even back then, I, I wouldn't have changed my name. I, I, I wouldn't have done it. Uh, I, it just wasn't me to, to you know to be uh, the Red Rooster or Doink the Clown or. <laughs> Uh, no, really. I mean, I wouldn't have done it. I, would, I, would, I, I, I wouldn't have done it. I, I wouldn't have done that. I, I, there's no way. Or uh, even prior to that, I wouldn't have done some of the, you know, I couldn't have been a white Kamala or, you know, or whatever. That I just, you know. I, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. I had this vision of Jerry Oates as Don't the Clown. It was funny to me. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, it's vision because. Yeah. But, but but you know you know I was thinking today you know you know there was so little class that was I always try to be what I thought wrestling a wrestler should be you know uh, you know I just maybe the joke was on me but I just you know I just saw stuff that you know even in the dressing room out of the dressing room you know such little class you know how many. Lufezes were there, you know. With, you know, he had class. He represented what he did to the best of 
I think anybody's ability that they could. And, you know, he always looked like what he was. And when he come into a building, he looked like what he was supposed to have been, you know, not, you know, uh, T-shirts and shower shoes and T-shirts and, you know, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just think it could have. Well, this is going to go. This is kind of going south, and we'll we'll get back to your topic here, Mike. But just what you're talking about there, Jerry. You know, I I know promoters were. You know, the wrestling business kind of tried to follow the the, the times of what was going. Well, I understand the German gimmicks, you know, coming out of World War, uh, the World Wars, and and, you know, I understand the Japanese gimmicks. But they could be they could be portrayed as legitimate athletes from wherever. The Iron right. Sheik, even, you could portray him as an Iranian or a Russian or whatever. But I really think we did ourselves a disservice. And not, some of these guys made money. But, you know, when we would put a guy in there as Batman or the Spider-Man or as as, as Doink the Clown, I mean, we just really I, I know. I mean, we degraded I just, ourselves. I, I think so, too. You know, I, you know, I just – can you see Luthez as Doink the Clown? Oh yeah, or you know, or you know, I just you know, I, I in, in some territories, whatever was hot on TV at the time, you know, they had they did have a Batman and Robin, didn't they? It yeah, was, uh, they did. Yeah, Tony, yeah. What was his name? Tony, Tony, Moreno, Tony Moreno and John Fody. Yeah. John yeah. Fody was uh, with Robin. You know, I mean, come on, man. I I don't know. I you know maybe that's I don't know. I just. You know, I I just thought they cheapened themselves. A lot of promotions did by you know doing that. But but like Mike said, a lot of guys made a lot of money. But yeah, money I, I just I don't know. I just you know look back at you know. I know we make a lot of fun. We make a lot of fun, and then we we cut up about the Maguires and the thing. That had to be embarrassing to you. I mean, you I have nothing against the Maguires. You know, nothing against them. They they were just they no, were no, making a living. But uh, <laughs> but if they're in my hometown and I've been yeah. gone my first night back, I mean, yeah, I didn't know if I was going to be able to walk to the ring like they could. You know, I, I was so embarrassed. Yeah, but yeah, I understand everybody that like, like haystacks. I. Uh, I had no problem with that, you know. You know, he was, but just some of the stuff that was done, you know, I, I just. Haystacks was, well, well he was unique in that he was a big guy, but Stacks could work. That's, you know, that's as he got older, he couldn't do some of the things he used to do, but you could, could go in there and have a match with him. You could. And I know we had, we was in some six-man tag matches out there with him in Kansas City. At least he could get out of the ring and stand on the apron. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it, it, you know, it it it, 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 it boiled down to whoever was doing what with that was like, like the 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 two ring battle royal thing. You know, that was the hokiest thing that I'd ever been involved in. To me. And nearly every territory did it. 
Yep. Well, it didn't I mean, take but one, one promoter to do something that turned the buck, and everybody was going to do it. That's that's exactly <laughs> right. You know, that's exactly right. And it, it, it was, uh, and the ones that I, even here in Georgia I was involved in, the, the rings didn't even match. One would be lower than the other, or higher than the other one, or the ropes wasn't the same. And I mean, if you gonna do something, have a little class and. But anyhow, that's neither here nor there. Eddie Smith built two rings. Now, this is before I went to work over there. Uh, the first one they had was, was sometime in 74 before we went out of business. But Eddie Smith built two rings for that very purpose, was for a two-ring battle royal. You he built six, he, Nope. He built 16-foot square rings, and you worked in one of them probably a thousand times, and that was the TV ring in Atlanta. That was right. one of those twins, but when they – when when the little the little phase of of doing the two ring battle royals wore out, we uh, he he made the the corner posts were square where they would go right up against each other, and you probably didn't have but about four inches between the mats of the two rings, the ropes matched. I mean, it was a, you know for that it was ideal. That's the but after that wore off, we put foot on you know some footing on the poles, and then we started using one ring stayed on the truck that we traveled with and. And the other one was a, a TV station ring. So that's the first time I've ever heard that story. Yeah, he did. Eddie Smith built. They had him build two rings for that very purpose. I guarantee this is the only territory that ever did it. I guarantee you. Yeah, the problem. If I remember had, right, uh, one ring was red and one was blue, but they, that's what they 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 jammed right up against each other. They uh, had had that one time in Mobile. Well, twice. They they did it in Dothan and they did it uh, in Mobile. Um, they were several months or even a year apart before they did it. But the one they did in Mobile, the the problem they had was they didn't have enough guys in the territory to fill up two rings. <laughs> they had to advertise a bunch of guys that, that you know they advertised like Art Nelson, and you know good and well Art Nelson didn't come work there. You know, for one night in Mobile, when he wasn't going to go over. You know, they advertised, you know, 25, 30 people, and I think they ended up with 12 or 16. And uh, and then they did it this time. They did it in, uh, in Dothan. They brought in Andre for it. Well, I wonder but, uh, who won know, that one. Uh, yeah. I'm sure he and Dick Dunn split it. <laughs> Greg, Greg Brown would probably be able to tell us, but uh, yeah, I'm sure Dick Dunn was a top baby face. He wasn't going. He wasn't going, you know, to lose. So he and he and Andre probably split it. But uh, you know, like pole battle royal. Did you ever work a pole battle royal, Jerry? Uh, no, no, no. Not that I know of. Were they supposedly, they put $500 at the top of a pole, and whoever climbs up there and gets it. <laughs> no, I don't think I was ever involved in one of those. Wish I could say I wasn't, but I refereed a couple of them. You're kidding. No, I, they they did a couple of them around here. I'll tell you, just a straight-up battle royal was hokey to me. 
I worked in one, and that was I, I couldn't wait for it to be over with. Thank you. I was the first one out, so I was happy. Because I had never worked one before, and Saito pulled me aside before the match, and he said, "Just," he said, "Stick with me. I'll put you out and everything." He said, "Just stay with me," and he said, "The main thing is stay close to the rope, stay in the corner, and do not go to the mat because you'd be trampled to death." Oh yeah, if you ever got off your feet, everybody thought it was funny to step on you and kick you. And... There's too much clowning in those things. Oh yeah. But you mentioned Art Nelson a while ago. Was was you ever around him, either one of you? No. I was never around him, no. I want to say he was here just a brief time, but, but I don't he remember was. much about him. That's that's where I met him. He told the story. He was, he was a strange joker now. I mean, he was serious. That joker was serious. I liked him. You know, he man, he was, he was in shape and... I worked with him once or twice. He was, he was, he worked about like he looked, but that's neither here or there. But he told a story about way back. He 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 had come in from. Uh, you know, I know he didn't drive. He flew in. He came in from Amarillo. Did you ever hear the story? Uh-uh. No. And he went to to a door to go in, and they said he said the guy said no 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 this is this wrestlers don't come in the store. He said I've been coming here for years, and this is the door I've always come in, and I'm coming in this door. He was like that. He said I'm coming in this door. The guy said I can't let you in. He said I tell you what you do. He said you tell Paul Jones that Art Nelson was here, and he's gone back to Amarillo. That's the kind of guy he was. Y'all never heard that story? No. No. <clears throat> I, I, I'm surprised I you didn't meet him up there with the Crocus because he was up there. Well, probably by the time you and Ted were up there, he he had gone back to Texas because that's where he settled. You know, he died out there and was was so broke. Um, I can't remember who paid for his funeral. I want to say it was the Funks. Are paid to bury him. No. Uh-huh. Jeez. And he worked out there for them. He was still working in the late seventies. He he started uh, when he went back out to Amarillo. He um, put on a mask and was called the Super Destroyer out there for years and years. But yeah, I heard that that when he was when he passed away, he was so broke that uh, somebody had to pay for his funeral. I, you know who told me that? Ken Lucas told me that. You know he trained Ken Lucas. Really? Where was he? Yeah. Where was Art from? He was from Amarillo originally, or, or West Texas, some, somewhere out that way. And the, see, I always heard he was a big stock market man. And I heard I that, know. too. I heard that, too. Well, of course, a lot of people going broke through the stock market, too. Some people are yeah. multi-millionaires on it, but I always, I, I don't know how true that was. Now, I think you say that. I think, yeah, I think because he would sit in a dressing room sometimes with a newspaper. Exactly. And that's what he would look at. Yeah, I, I remember, yeah. I had always heard that. But, you know, I, I, I didn't know. But Art, God, when I met him, I don't know how old he was then. 
Well, he started working. Well, he was the he was the uh, the Southern heavyweight champion, the, ver- the Georgia version. He uh, the Don went back when Don McIntyre was booking. So he was in he was in uh, Georgia in the early to mid fifties, and I know he'd been around a couple years prior to that. So he worked a long time. He yeah, because I met I don't know what year I met him here. Would you would you working then, Bobby, in the office? I mean, not the office, but doing anything with the office when he was here? Probably when I was probably I don't I wasn't referee, and I was probably running working for Harbin doing odds and ends. But I don't know if he ever come back in here for a short stint or not. I think, that I don't know. I think I met him one time. He was he was like passing through, and he was here for a week or something, and he could have been. Because the, the the Wall Street thing rang a bell with me. That, that's what I always heard now, you know. And I mean, that was, you know, what, what I always heard about him. That joker's in shape. He was yeah. in his younger days. That's the pictures I've got of him from, you know, his early days. He was in shape. He always wore a crew cut, didn't he? Kind of, yeah, 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 he yeah. did. Sort yeah. of a real yeah. cropped haircut, yeah. yeah. he did. Good body on him. I mean, he... he, he. But I don't know, where, where all did he work, Mike? I mean... Well, he worked, I know he than, worked uh, in Ohio for Al Haft. Um, he worked uh, Kansas City. He worked... Uh, I said he was in the cro- work for the Crockett's Fair, but he, most of the time he was in, in Southwest. Hmm. Came through Mobile, worked Georgia. <clears throat> he was in Mobile in 59. Well, he came in a couple of times, but the last time he came through in 59. <clears throat> and he had a, uh, about a month-long program with uh, Leap and Larry Shane. Which was the only time Larry Shane was ever there. I never met him either. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I met, he he died long him. before you ever got into business. Oh, he did. Yeah, I think he was. It was 1964. He was killed in a car wreck. Boy, from everything I've ever seen, film-wise, on him, he was a he was a, a, a ahead of his time and what just. Oh, absolutely. Oh jeez! In fact, one of the and and I know we we kid about Moose Cholock, but if you ever want to see a perfect example of a big man, small man, David and David and Goliath match, go look up on YouTube Moose Cholock against Leith and Larry Shane. That is probably it's a it's a two out of three fall match, and it's not one dead spot in the whole match. You know, I don't think my fingers could type in this show up. <laughs> Shane, that's, that's probably because Shane was running for his life for three falls. <laughs> Unless he, he must have changed from when I met him. You know, I think I may have seen a, a match like that with him that wasn't bad. It might have been me. I don't know. Not sure about that. The moose. 
I didn't mean to go south on your topic, Michael. We uh Oh no, no problem at all. <laughs> no problem at all. What you think about <clears throat> Well there's another who... example of what I'm talking about. What promoter in his right mind lets a man wear a moose head to the ring? Now there you go. I mean what you... did that just what just what Mike was talking. I mean just Jeez. Well, it was unique. It well, was, you know, this yeah. ain't got nothing to do with the wrestling business, but you know that's why Bill Golden got fired from the Oak Ridge Boys. He wanted to wear a wolf wolf skin or something on stage one night, and, uh, you know, the, the other three said, no, you ain't doing that, and that's, that's why he got fired. And, of course, he's back with them now. But, I mean, it, at some point you have to say this is beyond, uh, you know. Well, to speak, I was just about to say there was a wrestler that did that. You ever heard of Willie Farkas? Heard the name. Farkas, Farkas the Wolfman? Or the Hungarian Wolfman? He used that name, too. That's news to me, but I don't. Yep, he used to wear, he used to wear a, a, a full skint wolf with the head and the, the, the paw still on it. <laughs> you know, on top of his head, down his back, and he, he wore loincloth. And fur boots, kind of like uh, Brody used to wear. But this was years before Brody. He just passed away now, wh- here in the last year or so. Now, where did he lace them up? Uh, Canada. Uh, mainly uh, Toronto, March- Montreal. I think he worked Detroit some. He was... Uh, he teamed a lot with uh, the Canadian wild man, uh, Gene Dubois or Dave McKigney or whatever is the bear man. Uh, they were a team I in Detroit. For the bear man. I wrestled for the bear man. If that's the same guy. Yeah, yeah, you, you did. In fact, I got pictures of, of uh, you and him together in Detroit. You're kidding me. Uh-uh. Oh, you remember I, last week I talked about Tiger Jeet Singh? I came across a picture of you and Tiger Jeet Singh posed together. That had to have been in Japan. It probably was, yeah. I'll uh, I'll send it to you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm thinking that the best I can tell, this, this pictures I have of you and McKigney were in the ring together, and you were working with... Uh, Baba and and Saruta, and they're from Detroit. Does that ring a bell to you? Yes, it does. Yeah, they they might have been here for some the, the NWA convention or something, something you know, and was working around. Or, I know they wasn't in Detroit hunting talent. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember seeing them up there. Well, they were, they were, uh, they stayed up there for a, a little bit of a period because they were the Sheik's World Tag Team Champions at one time. That's kind of strange, isn't it? It is. I, I, I don't know what that would have been about. Maybe the sheep was trying to sell them, sell Bob the store or something. I don't know. Could have been. 
Well, this, this since the name was mentioned, what kind of worker was Saruta? Unbelievable. Well, I always thought he was great. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, I, I never was in the ring with him. He was he came in here for a while, uh, yeah, maybe a couple months or something, and uh, uh, but he yeah, I never was in the ring with him. But he always looked like he 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 was pretty easy to work with. Well, they sent him to Amarillo in the very beginning. And Dory more or less trained him. Okay. And, and uh, yeah, Jumbo was the nicest. He was, oh, man, he, he he didn't work like the rest of them. He worked more like we do, you know. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't get crazy on you. But he could work. He big boy, too. He was, Jumbo was big. Yeah, yeah. Jumbo's are probably six four, six five, maybe probably six four. Weighed about two sixty, but he was he was a pleasure. And then uh, the other one, Tenaru. Uh, um, yeah, he was he, he was here too, wasn't he? Tenaru, I, I refereed some of his matches. I, yeah, I was in a ring with him some. Yeah, he was here a while too. Did, did Fujinami ever come through here? Don't don't recognize that name. I do, but I don't think I ever saw him in the states. Not not that he wasn't here, but he was so far no he didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I want to say he, he worked in the Carolinas as Doctor Fujinami, doing the typical Japanese really? thing with the 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 knee length tights and all that stuff. Right. He What's our? Work. I'm drawing a blank. What's our buddy's name in Kansas City that worked for? He worked Sato. for Baba for. Akio Sato. Sato, yeah. Sato was here for a, for a long time too. What a! Uh, I had to play. I wrestled him one night in Athens. What a what a pleasure it was to work with him. I don't think Akio uh, Sato couldn't work. No, jeez. Oh, I mean, you did, you had to you had to look for him. You didn't know where he was. He was light. But he could he could man he could go. He, he could he could really go, and I I was on a tour, and he was back over there working for Baba, and I can't I can't dare tell you when it was. It was after we left Kansas City. I had I dinner I with uh, last year out in Vegas. I had dinner with him and uh, Jim Dillon, JJ Dillon, and uh, we we sat just talking for about an hour. What a what a not only entertaining but informative night that was. Was, well, you, you were talking about the the Japanese, you know, the the gimmicks, and and you know, in the sixties and seventies, and even into into the early eighties, I mean, the Japanese all, you know, they were the rare occasions, you know, the the Sarutas and Babas that came through the states but weren't regulars here. But you think about the regular guys here, Saito and Mitsu Arakawa and and you know Tanaka and. Fuji and those guys—they all—they all look the same. They all wore the the knee length, <clears throat> and they all meant you know, something. You know? they, they meant something. And even even uh, Antonio Inoki, when he first came here, he worked as Tokyo Tom out in Amarillo and did the the Japanese heel gimmick. You're kidding me. Nope. I never knew he worked in the states like that. I really didn't. Yep. But I never met Inoki. Yep. I never never worked for him.
Yeah, but those guys, they, but, but yeah, you know, you're talking about gimmicks and all. I mean, I mean, of course they were what they were, but they they meant something, you know. They, I'll tell you another uh, Japanese that was that was unbelievable. That was Matsuda. I don't know if y'all were ever around him. Never uh, made him. Uh, saw him work. Saw him work a lot, but never was around him. <clears throat> he had, for some reason. I mentioned him one day when I was over there to Joe Gucci, and that that wasn't a thing to mention. I, I don't. <laughs> that was, he, yeah. Oh, he oh he dog me. Oh, oh Matsuda, I don't like it. No good, no good. I I don't know because he left and never went back or what. I don't know. I don't. I never did know what that was about. But he he could work. I know that. He. Always looked good. I mean, I think he had a piece of the Florida office too, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he yeah. and Kiyomuka both did. I've always wanted to see film on them, the two of them as a tag team, because I, I heard they were a tremendous tag team back in in Florida in the early days. I worked with Matt Suda in 1977. I don't know what month, but that's when I worked with him. He, I'm telling you, that was like Bobby was talking about uh, Sato. You didn't even know he was in there. And he was so impressive looking. I mean, he was just he was just unbelievable. He was out there for Watts. I don't know how long he, he didn't stay long. Maybe a couple of months. That was after his second run with the <clears throat> junior heavyweight title, which I think was in 75. <clears throat> but, yeah, he was he was always, whenever I saw him work, he was always in great shape. And, yeah, he was. He always you know, he had a, he had a um, school there in um, Tampa. Tampa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Uh, he was training guys. Yeah, yeah. He trained Hogan, but, supposedly. With uh, a little bit of training was. that stuck to him. Mm. I think he trained uh, he trained Lex Luger. There again, what little bit of training he stuck to him, but he trained Bruce, uh, not Bruce Reed, but uh, what was the other one's name? The Florida State football Bruce player, Ron, Ron, no, Ron, um, no, 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 Ron Simmons. Yeah, he trained Ron Simmons and Dewey Forte. Forte dropped out of the business. He wasn't around very long. He was another footballer. I think he may have played at Florida State. I see another gimmick tag team. The Kelly Twins. <laughs> they wasn't. There wasn't a before they were stars. <laughs> Bobby, I've, I've talked about them. Was you ever around them? Oh yeah. Well, you oh yeah. Yeah, they were. Uh, it's hard to describe them. You can you can you talk can. about them, but people just. You, you know, I was watching, uh, just. 
to maybe make people understand what I'm saying about the Kelly twins, I watched uh, I was watching something on TV the other day, and they had Doctor Doctor Phil on there, and I'm not a Doctor Phil fan, but they said Doctor Phil's ten ten points for living a good life or something or figuring yourself out, and his first point is either you get it or you don't, which exactly. I thought was a remarkable thing, and that's the Kelly twins. Either you were around them and you got it or you didn't, and I never well, got it with them. But, but see, it's one of those things you can't explain. No, you can't. You had to be there to see it, and then that's the end of it. I mean, just their mannerisms drove you crazy. (laughs) (laughs) The story you told about making the sounds in the car, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. And and that's the kind of thing that would have drove them up a tree. Well, it did, and, and, and... You know, I kind of felt bad about it a couple of days later. Because they, I mean, they, I mean, they, they eat it up, I'm telling you. And they, you know, they would have, anybody would have had to know that was some kind of gimmick going on. <laughs> <laughs> I get this why it worked, right? I don't know. <laughs> That's right up there with Rocket putting the potato up Flash's muffler on his car. That's that's, uh... (laughs) Was I ever around him in Mobile? No. I I just... I just around him taking jackets back to the dressing room. And and they didn't even wear jackets, so I never had to fool with them. You know, as silly as, as silly as it was that, that, that uh, or, you know, the way they were when they were the Kelly twins, at least they were redheaded. They they were twins, and and you could you that that was somewhat plausible, I guess. But when they came back as Germans, I mean, I, I just, never saw that. Oh, that was they were all black. Well, they they, they even did a dumber gimmick after that. They went to work for Bruiser after they left Georgia, after they were the Schmidt twins. They went to work for Bruiser, and they were called the Clones. Oh, I miss that one. Now, that's the first I've heard of their heads all shaved and everything? Well, they had their heads shaved here when they were the German gimmick. Yeah, I know. How long were their heads that? Well, not long. About as long as they were when they were the Kelly twins? Yeah, yeah. You know they ca- they yeah, came they, in and, and they just you know who were you going to put them against and then they they weren't going to get over. That was something you just had to experience for yourself. And like you said, you were they baby it, faces they here? Yeah, yeah. They were the Kelly twins. They were, yeah, yeah. They were they were heels in Mobile. The first the first two times I ever wrestled. The first match I ever had, when I, the first time I ever wrestled, I was in Thomaston, Georgia, refereeing, and one of the Kelly twins had had a staph infection, and and the guys just refused to work with him. So, I want to say it was Jody was in the town that night. Jody called me back in the back, and he says, he said, you got your wrestling stuff, and I said, yeah. He said, put it on, and I worked with Wayne Cowan. Because nobody had worked with the Kelly twin, and he refereed that night in a T-shirt. 
And then the following Monday night, I was in Augusta. I took the cage down there, and same deal. Nobody had worked with him, and I worked with Cowan that night in Augusta. Those were the first two times I ever wrestled. And it was all because, I, well, I guess that was a break for me, but that was because uh, nobody had worked with him because of the staph infection. And he just wanted to go out there. I mean, he had like, his arm, it wasn't like, I mean, it was like open places on his arm and stuff, and he wanted to work, and it was crazy. Not to mention it made a whole lot more work for me. I had to take all the mats off the rings and have them cleaned and sanitized. Yeah, that stuff, man, that ain't nothing to play with. No, no, uh uh-uh. That stuff will kill you. That's unbelievable. I remember, I can remember back, and I know you'll remember this too, Jerry, when when Dickie was working pretty regularly, he used to do that deal where he would... uh, uh, guy'd go to backdrop him, and he would slide like a baseball player between their legs and come up on the other side. Right. He opened up a place on his hip. I it looked remember like a, that. It looked like a boil. I mean, that thing looked like it was an inch deep, and it would scab over. But it w- when it scabbed over, it wouldn't heal from the inside out. And and every night he'd he'd slide on that thing, man, just tear it open again. But I can remember him having that place, and it take it forever. But there again, we were, you know, and, and not knocking him. He was just working, but we had to constantly keep take those bats off and get them clean. And and for anybody who's never had a mat cleaned and tried to put it on a ring, they draw up. And it's a real pleasure to try to stretch those things out and get them back on. Oh, oh don't think they don't draw up. <laughs> but, you know, it's a wonder if he didn't get staff infection. I'm te- yeah, it is. It is. That was the worst one I ever saw, but... Yeah, he got a staph infection, and the only other guy I ever remember around here that got one bad enough they couldn't work, Steve Olsonowski, Steve O. He got he one, got and his arms, he swelled up like pie it, it, it affected his hand, didn't it? Oh, yeah, it was all the way down his arm, into his fingers. It just, he was swollen bad. But I don't think his, I mean, it, it uh, kind of like deformed his hand. Mm-hmm. Didn't it? I think it did. Yeah, That's he why mean, he he wound up what doing commentary, doing some commentary, yeah. and Barnett would would let him. He would come to the office every day, and rather than me going to the bank, I'd send him to the bank to make deposits. Or you know, Jim just Jim took care of him because he couldn't work. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. But his was totally different from 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 the Kellys. This, this one wasn't. Uh, this one was in his, Steve's was in his bloodstream. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a skin rash type. Yeah, he, he got in a lot of trouble with that. I mean, physically. That stuff wasn't no joke. Where did you take those canvases to, to a cleaners? I had a laundry here in Atlanta that would clean them for me. And then once I got them cleaned, when I took them back to put them on, I would uh, use Lysol. And I'd completely saturate them with Lysol. And then once I did that, I learned, I can't remember who told me, but I learned a trick. You, you, you could not stretch them back out. We had the canvases that we bought, the ones that I always purchased, I purchased from Georgia Tent and Awning Company. They were made out of chain duck uh, material, and they were, they were super thick. 
and uh, you couldn't stretch them. They would draw up, but somebody taught me a little trick. You had to uh, you had to soak them down. You had to get them soaking wet. If I'd had that at a place where I could, I'd find me a water hose, and I'd just absolutely drench it. And then once you got it real wet, it became a little more pliable, and you could stretch them out. But yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about Georgia tenting on, and they're not in business anymore. But yeah, I'd just call them and tell them what size I needed, and uh, they would make them for me. Yeah, all that stuff's kind of gone now, isn't it? Yep. We had another company here in Atlanta. We didn't uh, like on the on the uh, on the road, uh, you know, with the ring for spot shows and so forth. We didn't have uh, roll up mats that we put on those. We used furniture pads. And I had a company here in Atlanta that I would call and tell them what I needed. Uh, like if I had a 16 foot ring, I'd get I'd get them 17 foot long and four and a half feet wide or five feet wide and I'd run them what I did I used nine of them on the ring I'd run three one way and then crisscross them and uh, but they would make them for me and that's what we used on for for padding they and, actually uh, made them. oh yeah they would make them for me just like you get a furniture pad at U-Haul they were just like that except they would make them the size for me unbelievable you know it was it I think about that, and, and I never really thought about it back then, but I knew where to call and get, like if I needed to rebuild a set of ropes for a ring, I knew where to call and get my get my cable, get my rubber hose, because I never used water hose. I always bought regular rubber hose. Right. I just, I knew where all these places were. And, you, you know, you just, I mean, of course, I have no need for them now. I guess all these places are out of business, but... Uh, I got people like Eddie Smith and those kind of folks to thank for teaching me how to do some of that stuff. Because that just it, you couldn't go to school and learn. No, I mean you, you, that's right. And you had to and you had to know where to call. I mean, yeah. You want to what, man? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> that's what I even had a welding company here in Atlanta that knew. I could I could take a piece over there and say, hey, this is for my ring, and this is what I got. And he'd go, okay, and he would repair it for me. And uh, his name was Fred Martin. He owned a welding company. He's he, I think his son still runs the company. But, yeah, Mr. Martin, he he knew exactly what I wanted. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, when you're running, like we've talked about, you know, week in and week out, you, you, stuff is going to tear up, break. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was. I was I was very blessed that I never I never had a rope break on me. Uh, never had anybody get hurt because the rope broke. I never had anybody get hurt because the ring tore up and caused them to get hurt. Uh, but I was just I was kind of meticulous about that stuff. I I didn't I didn't want to get blamed for that stuff. So I worked, you know. But you didn't, you know, I, I hope the guys appreciated the rings here in Georgia because everywhere I ever went, you'd go to some places, man, and you'd appreciate getting back home. Did did, did you ever work in a ring that had actual rope? No, never did. I think I worked down in Mobile somewhere the ring had ropes on it. That was the first time. <laughs> Those ropes would eat you up. 
Yeah, that hemp sucking that thick, it had to be that old hemp rope. That's what it was. Yeah, it was. It was sort of Oh, jeez. That stuff hurts your hands when you pull on it. I can't imagine hitting it with your bat and... Oh, when you go to the of your lats, it'll eat you up. Mm. It was it, it had a lot of gift to it too. Yeah. You'd be about the first row when you come back. Did they have Another, it wrapped in anything? No, but but when New York had real rope, but they wrapped theirs in tape. No, these no, these weren't wrapped. No, it eat me up. I think it was somewhere in in Mobile territory. Had them. Now I've worked in rings that, had, and rather than have a, a rubber or, or some sort of casing over the wire, they had a garden hose. Yeah, oh, yeah. vinyl green greens. <laughs> I'm not talking about way, the red the red rubber ones. I'm talking about a vinyl. Oh yeah, you know, with with the green stripe on it. Now, I've seen them. Yep. I tell you another ring. It was always odd to me. And Jerry, I bet you had a problem with it, or, or not a problem, but it had to be uncomfortable. That old boxing ring in Columbus before we put a good ring in there. Oh, those ropes were short. Lord. They were short, and they were so close together. And the bottom rope was a foot and a half off a foot and a half off the mat. Yeah, that was an old boxing ring. It was a boxing ring, hard as concrete. And you go to crisscrossing that thing, you had to bend down. Mm-hmm. Hot rope come up just a little above, past your waist. Yeah, that thing hit hole. you, and as tall as you were, it hit you in your rib cage. Did you ever set that ring up, Bobby? No, sir. I never had anything to do with that one. I bet when, that when they finally, when we finally came over, the, I actually went down. I took one of the rings that Dick built. I took it to Columbus and spent two days down there and put a new floor on it, and that's the ring they started using down there. Yeah, that that I forgot about that ring. My yeah. God! Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. I trained in a boxing ring. Well, I tell you what, those things are no joke. No, you couldn't take bumps in the center because it had that pole <laughs> braced in the in the center of it. <clears throat> Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that was a that ring. Let's see, that ring, the one in Atlanta that was a, it was in that it was in the auditorium for it was there for a hundred years because it was all there when I was growing up as a kid. Same ring, and then and I grew up and then and I worked in it and I worked on it. But that ring was a twenty-four foot square. That's like working in your living room. Yeah, you you crisscrossing that ring. You was running for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I always like the sixteen foot ring the best. That was that's what we used at all spot shows, and then some of the smaller builders we had sixteen, and then like in the auditorium in Atlanta, I put it, I put an eighteen foot there again, and we had two rings that Dickie had built. I put one in Columbus, and then one we moved it into Atlanta. We kept it there. And the ring we had in Savannah was a twenty foot square. Mister Newman built that ring. But see, I didn't mind the eighteen. I mean. Anything over eighteen, it throw you off. Always big, yeah. It was just your, your timing was like, my gosh. When uh, but anyhow, 
but a when Ann first went in business, we bought three rings from Mr. Newman. We bought two sixteens and and a twenty, and we left that twenty in Savannah in that big building. But a sixteen foot ring is fast. Mm-hmm. I, I I love the sixteen. Well, a lot of a lot of rings out in uh, Kansas City was sixteen sixteen foot rings. I love them. You can go from that to working in a in a fourteen by fourteen like they had in the uh Dothan's T V studio. I'm pretty sure that was a fourteen by fourteen. Well they had some, depending Ooh. on the size of the studio, you had some small rings. I think that was the smallest I ever worked in, but I I never worked in any I might have worked somewhere in an 18 by 18 because it would throw my timing off trying to run the ropes. Because I, I so had learned a 24 footer. Uh, yeah, I can imagine so. That, that's that, that, that's. Would you be blown up before you even got there? See, if you go, to, if you back a guy into the ropes and go to shoot him off to the other side, it it, it don't look right. I mean, because you. Anyhow, you know, in an 18-foot ring, you go to shoot a guy off, and you, you, you come off those ropes, and you let him go halfway, then you take that step into it. I mean, it's, but you do it in a 24-foot ring, it's all out of whack. I tell you, all these, new, these, these football teams are hiring coaches I've never heard of. <laughs> I haven't been oh, keeping really? up with it. I, I don't even know who's done what since the season. Denver either. hired a guy today. The Rams hired a guy today. Never heard of none of them. What do you guys think about uh, San Diego moving to Los Angeles? Did they decide to move? Yeah, I think they did. Okay. You know, yep. I don't understand that. I mean, why wouldn't San Diego? I don't know. I guess it's all about, uh, you know, somebody building them a stadium. You know, if you stop and think about it, you play, what, eight games a year there? Ten if you count the two preseason. It's almost insanity, isn't it? Yes, it is. Of course, I know you can use them for other things, but my goodness. They're advertising in Atlanta now. Um, the new Braves Stadium, Billy Joel, is going to do a concert there in April. They're promoting it as the first concert in the new Braves Stadium. Hmm. Might as well tear the new field up, you know, just as we're getting started. I don't know why not. Who funded that? What, the stadium? Yeah, the baseball. Cobb County, Cobb County did part of it, and the Braves are doing the majority of it, supposedly. Now, is this some astronomical-looking thing? or? No, it's it's actually smaller than Turner Field. It's only going to hold... 42,000, I think, or maybe yeah, 46, 40-something. Like something. It's it's smaller as far as the number of people, uh, but what they're doing, uh, 
they're building they're building hotels, office buildings, uh, uh, parking, uh, bars, restaurants. They're making it a. Yeah. It's what they're trying to do is what St. Louis has. St. Louis has got about two city blocks around their stadium. That's nothing but, but, but entertainment venues of some sort, plus the right. office buildings and so forth. That's what they're after, you know, to get the people there to eat and spend their money and, and uh, that's the problem is is where they built it. It's going to be a traffic logistic nightmare, and uh, they're eventually going to want people to park across 285, and they're building a pedestrian bridge, which is going to be a joke. Uh, as far as how far you have to walk to get to the stadium, and I don't know. It just I, I think uh, we'll see. You know they they claim that they claim to redo t- or to upgrade Turner Field to what they needed. It would have cost 1.8 million to do it. The city refused to put any money into it, and the Braves said they weren't going to spend 1.8 million on something they didn't own. So they just decided to move to Cobb County. So how many did it seat, Bobby? 50, probably around 50,000, somewhere in that neighborhood. Maybe maybe a few more will stand in room. They claim that all these people that are building new stadiums for baseball are building them smaller because – they can sell less tickets and sell them out and it'll look better on TV and it'll make the tickets harder and more, you know, people will want more of them and make them harder to get and, of course, increase the value of the tickets. So I don't know. I don't know what the ticket prices are out there. Did they ever use Turner Field for anything else? I mean, like rent it out for other... George Tech, Georgia played a baseball game there every year that drew pretty good. Uh, I can't – I think – I don't remember if they had any concerts there or not. Just in conjunction with, with Braves games. With Braves games. I don't remember them having anything. It was in such a part of town that people didn't want to go down there much. And and uh, it's just well, – you know, Georgia State University's bought it. They're going to play their home football games there starting next year. They're going to reconfigure it a little bit and add some seats along the sidelines. I don't remember exactly how they're doing it, but and then supposedly they're going to build a, a small baseball stadium for their baseball team to play in there, where the parking lot is now, and and just do some other things down there for Georgia State. So maybe maybe it'll work out. I don't know. It's amazing. Well, my daughter tells me, and of course I'm not down there, I don't know, so I'm just about what I have heard. But I've heard that it's got so bad in Columbus that when the fair comes, that people don't even want to go over there anymore. And yet I can remember years ago when I was dating my first wife there, we used to go to the fair every year. Every year? Yeah. Where did they have that? I'm sure I went as a kid. Right next door. I remember... Right next door to the Civic Center now, and used to be next door to the auditorium. Between the auditorium and Golden Park. That's where it was. Yeah, they. It's, I'm sure it doesn't do anything now. 
Did you know they tore down all those apartments? Oh, yeah. I rode down through there. Uh, I haven't seen that since they've done it. They did that after I left. It's probably been it's probably been a year. I went down there for something, and uh, uh, I had uh, and Randy was with me. My buddy Randy was with me. And we, we hadn't he hadn't been down through there since Old October been tore down. So we just got to riding around and went over down Front Avenue and just looking. And I was amazed at all they've done down through there. Yeah, <coughs> unbelievable. They've, and they know, built that. And they built that oh, that that. Whatever they call it, there, Columbus Civic Center, or whatever they call it. Yeah. They built it too small. Oh yeah. They were idiots. They were idiots. Like you probably know this, Jerry. You know that you know behind the old mill down there on Front Avenue, about right behind the mill in the Chattahoochee there. Yes, sir. You know they've created rapids there. Yeah. Where pe- people they can go it. down there and ride kayaks and canoes and rafts. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. They did that since I left. And then all those meals, they turned those into condos. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. The old bus station is a restaurant now. I saw that. It's country's barbecue, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's country's. I think that's what it is, yeah. I can remember yeah, when I when 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 my first wife, my first wife was pregnant with, with, uh, with Lisa. I wasn't home when Jody was born. I was on the road, so I promised her I would, uh, I would, uh, I'd be home. So I actually, I got out of the wrestling business and I took a job there with Orkin in Columbus. I lived there for about seven and a half months, and I can remember going downtown. I used to love to go downtown in the mornings and eat breakfast at Walgreens. They had a luncheonette there right on Broad Street or whatever it was down there. And as I rode down through there, looking around, I'm not real sure I'd want to go down there now if I was toting a gun. I mean, it's just it's really. It's they they they're trying their best to get people to come back downtown, but it's just. I don't think it's working. It's like here in Atlanta, they're trying to get people to move back downtown and live downtown, and I just. It's not gonna work. I'll stay out here in the boonies. Yeah, it's a different time. How many people do you imagine over the years walked out of those apartments and walked to the wrestling matches on Wednesday nights? You couldn't. You couldn't count them, Bob. No. Yes, I know. And and you know there was, we would come out of there after you know getting a shower and leaving. You'd see those people walking up Fourth Avenue back toward their homes up there, and they would be talking and having a good time and cutting up. You couldn't get people to do that now if you were there every week. No. It. It. it, it you see. It, it's. You know, we've talked about it. It, it was, it was. You couldn't do that again if you had a billion dollars. No. Put in it. No. You do it. To, you know, to quote, to quote Bo James, it's not 1974 anymore. It just no, that's not good. You, you couldn't rent those buildings on a weekly basis. And no. All that kind of money just to pay the rent. No. Money. I mean, no. Just, you, you just, I don't care. Well, Ugly Mike would tell you he could do it. But nah. Nobody can do it. Nobody, nobody can do that anymore. That's over. Those days are gone. Sure, I'm glad I was along for part of the ride, though. Man, I had a good time. <laughs> yep, that's, that's it. 
If that building in Columbus, something. was it actually owned by, did, did Fred Ward own it where they filmed what? the TV studio or the, yeah. the TV yeah, matches? He that. Oh, yeah, he owned that, yeah. yeah. That's where I started going to the matches. That's all the <clears> place. There, there wasn't an auditorium. There was, looks like when, uh, here in Savannah, there was no civic center. That, that was that uh, sports arena. That, you know, there was no such thing as uh, everything that would come to Savannah went to the sports arena that Kathy's daddy on, like in Columbus. He used to have, like, rock and roll concerts in, in that sport, sports arena. And as small as it was. Yeah, he owned that for years. You know he sold it, sold it to, don't you, Bobby? No. Sonova's bought it. CB&T, WC Bradley. Yeah, yeah. They bought it. Hmm. They bought it. Yeah, that, that old building Mr. Ward had there in Columbus, you know, of course, by the time I started working for him, they had the auditorium. But when the, when the Shrine Circus or something would come in and get the auditorium for a week or 10 days or whatever, we I worked some Wednesday night shows in that building. Yeah, they was something absolutely. special about working in that old building over there. It, it had an atmosphere like no other. Uh, oh, jeez. But you, you, man, I remember seeing y'all. Y'all never saw this guy, Gene Stanley. No, you know, know the name. name I've mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've seen video of him, but I. He was there. Wilbur Snyder was in that building. Uh, I mean, and, and that little sports arena in Columbus. I mean, you, the Bruiser. I mean, everybody comes. From, anybody was in Georgia, they they wrestled in that building. Lufez, everybody. It was unbelievable <laughs> in that little bitty building. Well, it's like the Shrine Auditorium in Mobile that they used in the. Uh, <clears throat> they started using in the forties. And then moved it from where it was. It was down on the uh, down on the um, Mobile River, and they moved it to uh, where it is currently, sitting behind the uh, J.U. Blackshire House in uh, on Government Street. It used to be called the um, Wharf Arena. And then they, when they moved it, the Shriners bought the building and moved it, and the Shriners owned it. <clears throat> and uh, they not only had wrestling in there, it was like you said, everything that happened in Mobile, that's where they had because they wasn't an auditorium. Yeah, that and, was good, right? uh, Brooklyn Field was still an active military base, so they couldn't use uh, Fort Whiting. They didn't start using Fort Whiting until 1955, 56. Buddy Fuller made a move out of the Shrine Auditorium because as long as the Shriners were there, they wouldn't allow them to bring in black fans. I'm not talking about separating them. I'm talking about they didn't allow them in the building at all. That's the way it was and so in Buddy Fuller, and Buddy Fuller worked it out to, to where they moved over on the Brooklyn Field to uh, Fort Whiting. But, yeah, Elvis played in the Shrine Auditorium, and that building's still there. Isn't that something? They don't use it for anything but storing old junk in it, but it's still there. Huh. Bobby, yes, sir. after this, I'm going to have to go, but let me ask you. That sports arena in Atlanta, mm-hmm. I mean, who built that? It was originally built by the H.G. Warren Company, uh, Warren Refrigeration Company. 
sponsored a women's professional basketball team. And they built the sports arena so that their basketball team had a place to play. You're kidding me. And then <clears throat> then he, they, uh, I'm not sure what year that, uh, uh, I'm not, I don't know how the original deal worked, but I believe the original deal was Gunkel and Jones both bought into the sports arena and bought the building, and they moved the they moved the wrestling office over at some point. But yeah, that sports arena building that was the first building Elvis ever played in in Atlanta. It was the first building Kenny Rogers ever performed in in Atlanta. Uh, it had a history of just all sorts of things there, and uh, then Paul or now, let's see. One of them owned, one of them owned part of Atlanta Racetrack, but way back when, and, and yeah, somehow they they did that. a swap or something, and I don't know. But anyway, Paul wound up with it. I, I never did understand that because of the of the city auditorium and wrestling had been going on in that city auditorium for yeah, God knows it, how long. Yeah, it was. Uh, they bought they bought the arena, and I don't know how they hire why they got it or whatever, but they had. They moved the wrestling office over there, and uh, George Beery uh, was was Paul's building manager over there. He ran uh, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. He'd have country western bands playing in there, and he'd have dances. And uh, uh, you know, it was a uh, when I was a kid growing up not far from there. You know, I was taught you know that's a place you don't hang around. That's a bad place. They had fights over there every weekend. You know, with those drunks over there square dancing oh, or whatever cool. it is doing. And uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, that's what it was, and then the only time they had wrestling there was when they couldn't get the auditorium. You know, it yeah, was amazing. Yeah. yeah, the city the size of Atlanta, Georgia, and the way Atlanta was growing, the only building we had here for years was the Atlanta City Auditorium. Exactly. Georgia Tech had a 9,000-seat coliseum over there, but they would not rent it out for anything. It was basketball only. They would not rent it for it would have been the most gorgeous building for wrestling you could imagine, but they would not rent it out. So the auditorium was all they had. And then Paul moved, you know, Fridays. They couldn't get the auditorium. They'd come to the sports arena. Uh, and then until they built the Omni. And then when the Omni was built, but you were jumping from a 6,000-seat or 5,500-seat city auditorium to an 18,000-seat building, and, and you were jumping astronomically in rent and overhead. Exactly. And, you know, I've told this all here before. We had a contract with the city auditorium. We paid them $500 a week rent. And that was it. That was, almost, we, that was like it for nothing. Yes, sir. And we had a contract on that building for every available Friday, 52 weeks a year. We lost it. Until they built the Omni, they lost it for Holiday on Ice for two Fridays in February. They lost it for the Shrine Circus for two Fridays in April, and then for about three or four weeks in in late May, early June, they lost it for high school graduations. I graduated high school in that building. Isn't that something? Yeah. What was it? What was the um, besides the rent? What did it cost to run a show there? With the city auditorium. Yeah. We paid. We had to pay the ushers. We had our own ushering crew, which was just, you know, people that we knew or hired. You know, I started out 
You know, Harbin got me on the Usher and crew. That was one of my little weekend gigs. They paid us $10 a piece. And we were responsible for guarding the doors like if you didn't have a ringside ticket, not letting you into the ringside area. We were responsible for seating people in the proper seats, that sort of thing. We had to pay those guys. So if we had, and I'm guessing, let's say we had 25 of those, that's $250. We paid our own security as far as the police were concerned. We paid, and I want to say we had 20, 25, maybe not that many, maybe 20 police officers uh, that, that not only surrounded the ring and walked the guys back and forth, but also worked security throughout the building because we had to furnish that. We paid those guys. And, and I, you got to remember, we're going back to the 70s. We paid those guys $35 a night. But out of that $35, we paid all of their Social Security and all of their income tax. We didn't deduct anything from the $35. So roughly you're talking 50 bucks times 20. So it's 1000 bucks. So you got 1000 bucks, 250 for the ushers. The building was $500. And then other than paying your ticket sellers, your ticket takers, which is even, say, another $1,000, you're probably talking $2,500, counting the rent, <clears> and that, and that may be a little dry. high. Well, and a sellout well, is $26,000 or just under that. How much? So you guys made a little under twenty-six. How much would it be a sellout? A little under 26000 25 right around 25000 That's probably closer. Didn't have something. They'll we, be that. We could the guy the we could if we sold out the auditorium on Friday, that almost covered the whole week as far as overhead was concerned. It covered it covered office salaries, it covered uh talent salaries, it covered everything. If you took all of that money and put it in the bank. And then whatever whatever you made in Augusta and whatever you made on – because Thursday night was going to be a $55, or, you know, whatever the guarantee was then. We were running Rome and Athens. They weren't – even if they sold out, you're not going to make any money. They were very small venues. Augusta on Monday was a good – you know, you were going to do good there. Tuesday, Wednesday belonged to Mr. Ward, so that was on his end. And then Saturdays we had the TVs. And then we ran Griffin and Carrollton on Saturday nights, and those were small venues. You were only going to do, you know, the basic there. And when, at the time, we weren't running Sundays. So if we could sell out on Friday nights, then then that, the office made money. If if Friday night wasn't that good, then you struggled that week. And And I can tell you, it wasn't every week the office made money. The office lost sometimes. And, you know, of course, I know guys wanted to make more money and, well, I didn't make as much as I thought I was going to get. But I'm telling you, there was weeks the office did not make money. I've actually been there when when Barnett had to send letters out to the shareholders, please send a check so we can put some money in the bank. Yeah, everything don't hit every week. Yep. Well, gentlemen, i got to go. i got early morning. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. We didn't get to touch on what <clears throat> what we were going to, but that's all right. We save it for another time. Always and, next uh, week. Everybody, keep Jay Jay in your thoughts and prayers, and got hopefully to. we'll get him back here with us soon. Yeah. And uh, 
everything, and uh, I guess our winter's over. Yeah, it's like seven, seventy degrees again 70 today. Something today, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, guys, it's been fun, and we'll uh, we'll get together again next week, and we'll do it again. Sounds good. Be good night. Guys. Have a great week, guys. Good night, everybody. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.